The Green Bay Packers are taking a very different approach from their NFC North counterparts in building a team without a super duper star at quarterback. Is it the right way? We look at some of the approaches the other teams are taking and what could ultimately work or fail about the way the Packers are doing it. And in that mold, ESPN recently ranked the Packers core as one of the worst in the NFL. Mm, maybe, but that could all change after this year. We tell you why on today's show. Caught by Watson. You are locked on Packers. He's got great speed. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Christian Watson down the sideline. Locked on podcast network. And he will score. Your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. So... What the Packers are doing, we we want to define that first. And we, we can set aside the idea of rebuilding versus not rebuilding. Let's just set that aside. But I do think it's an interesting uh, way to frame the idea of rebuilding versus not rebuilding because all three teams, non-Packer teams, over the last few years have engaged in something that the Packers have not. And that is a bloodletting of expensive veterans. A few years ago, when Brad Holmes came in, um, he traded Matthew Stafford. They traded TJ Hawkinson this season, even as they look like, you know, they were headed toward another bad year. You like young players, but the Vikings were able to give them enough. Remember, in the middle of the season, the Lions looked like they were going to get the number one pick. Like they were they were headed toward another disastrous season. And now all of a sudden, because they confirmed some priors from the preseason, they are the trendy pick to go win the division this year. We'll see if that makes sense. But they had to go through a very difficult process of saying a lot of these guys, they don't fit our timeline, which, by the way, I don't really believe in that. But NFL teams will often do this. The Bears, when Ryan Poles came in, new GM. They let a lot of expensive guys walk out the door. Other guys, they just said bye. And then this past offseason, they walked in with a metric ton of cap space. Now, they didn't actually sign a bunch of high-impact players. Terrell Edmonds, nice player. TJ Edwards, nice player. They got DJ Moore. That's a big deal. But that's still a really bad team. And they bottomed out. The Lions bottomed out. Getting Aiden Hutchinson was a big part of their turnaround. Getting Panay Sewell has been a big part of their turnaround. Turning that offensive line into a strength was enormous for the Lions. Getting a pass rusher who looks like he could be a premier pass rusher and then hitting on another one that no one had ever heard of until like week 12 this year sets them up moving Forward, you added Amon Ross St. Brown. They moved up for Jamison Williams last year. They did things. They acquired assets that teams who bottom out tend to do. 
The Bears also bottomed out. They're starting to build back. The Packers didn't do that. The Packers haven't done that. Now, they could, if they're real bad this year, do it this upcoming offseason. They still have that trap door because they have what we expect to be a first-round pick from the New York Jets in the Aaron Rodgers trade. And so that keeps that option on the table. What they are doing is more akin to what the Vikings are trying to do, and that is retool on the fly. The difference is, just think about the offseason the Minnesota Vikings have had. Patrick Peterson, gone. Cam Dantzler, gone. Eric Kendricks, gone. Dalvin Cook, gone. Adam Thielen, gone. These are guys who at one point were like everything to this team. Before Justin Jefferson was there, Adam Thielen was the guy. Understanding Stephon Diggs, like, right. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, they were your passing game. Justin Jefferson comes in. I don't think he was one of the, the better receivers in the league, a top 20 kind of receiver. Not on the team anymore. Dalvin Cook was at one point a top 10, maybe even top five running back. Not on the team anymore. Eric Kendricks was a top five off-ball linebacker in the league. Not on the, not on the team anymore. Patrick Peterson was never that in Minnesota, but he was in Arizona and wasn't essential. They, they let Patrick Peterson walk and replaced him with no one. They moved on from Cam Dancer and replaced him with no one. Like, they're just doing the bloodletting part. But believe, I think, that they have enough with Kirk Cousins. They understand the value of the tight end position um, is growing in today's game. That's why they added TJ Hawkins, and that is a free agent move in a way. They signed Marcus Davenport to a modest deal, but they moved on from Zedaria Smith. They may have to move on from Daniel Hunter. There's been some reporting that teams are calling and that that might be the most likely outcome here. In a year, Kirk Cousins might not be the quarterback. This could all be like a lead up to bottoming out. That team has Justin Jefferson, Christian Derrissaw, and what else? In terms of premier players, blue chip players. We're going to talk about this concept coming up. Not a lot. Now, okay, the Packers, they traded Aaron Rodgers. That's a big damn deal, right? But also a unique situation because he wanted out and this team was, they were not the team that they were in 2020 and 2021. So that matters. That is a way, you know, in a way, part of the bloodletting, I guess you could say. But I think a much more unique example than some of those other names that I mentioned. When it's, when it comes to quarterback, that relationship just has to be done. And, you know, I thought Rendell Ferreira, um, who writes for his own coverage and is a, you know, one of our, one of our, our pals here in Packers Twitter and Packers media, he, he had been pushing last year for the Packers to trade Aaron Rodgers. And he had a tweet yesterday that he, that he felt like in retrospect, it actually should have been done the year before that when Rodgers throws the AC fit in 21, that should have been the moment to cut bait. Now, they tried to go win one more Super Bowl, and I, I understand the reason why they did that. He played well enough that they gave him. He, he seemed like he was committal. He was actually not. Neither here nor there. That's not the point of this in particular discussion. The Packers have taken a different approach because they used so much of their asset 
that they had accumulated, the assets that they had accumulated on defense and, and have blue chip players like Jair Alexander and Kenny Clark on that side of the ball. Devondre Campbell, if you want to put him in that class, I think probably more like red chip, Russell Douglas, red chip kind of player. Rashawn Gary, blue chip player when healthy. You already had David Bakhtiari on the roster. You already had Elton Jenkins on the roster. You already have Aaron Jones on the roster. That all you need to do is hit on a couple of these pieces and, of course, the quarterback. And you can be right back in the mix. The thing about it is, and the key difference is the Packers planned for this when they took Jordan Love. And there are still going to be people who hate that pick, but look at the position that they are in now relative to their NFC North counterparts. The Bears are trying to win with Justin Fields, who has been the least productive passer in the first, as who's been a, continue, a, a continuous starter since he became the starter in modern NFL history. The other team is Jared Goff. They're the favorites. And then the third team has Kirk Cousins, a perfectly fine passable quarterback who they would love to upgrade on and who might not be the quarterback by the middle of the season. And certainly next season may not be the quarterback at all. He needs to go with Kyle Shanahan so that that cycle can finally be complete. Meanwhile, the Packers have a player that they invested capital in, high end capital. They've invested time and coaching in. And now when it was time for them to reset a little bit, retool, take a step back so they can take two steps forward. I'm not going to say the word you want me to say because they're not doing that precisely because they planned for this moment and the planning for this moment, the being ready to have guys to step in. You move on from Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. Okay, well, you use Jaden Reed in the draft. You, you just drafted Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. You bring in the tight ends. You're going to play a little bit differently. Aaron Rodgers out the door while well, you've got Jordan Love waiting in the wings. The only position where you've got guys going out and don't have guys who were drafted specifically to take over is safety. And it's maybe the least important position on defense. So, or at least the least important to have a true field tilting kind of player. I don't think that there is only one way to build but I do think it is worth contrasting the way the Packers are doing it and the way these other teams are doing it. And you might look at them and you go, oh, they did X, Y, and Z. And you go, okay, well, actually the Packers are in much better position that if they were right about the big bets that they made, this can take off in a way that it just probably isn't in Detroit, in Chicago, or in Minnesota. And that's because of investments at some critical positions. We're gonna talk about that in just a second. That's gonna be coming up. Before we get there, today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. I don't know if you noticed this. This is an NFL podcast after all. For a while, for a couple months at least, the NFL tab has not been that first tab when you open the FanDuel Sportsbook app. That is what I like to see at the top is the NFL tab because that is what I am betting on most often. We're back, baby. 
we're back. It is right there, front and center, for you to get in on the action. Hell yes. Hell yes. Um, and and $2,500 if you missed that first bet. $2,500 in free bets. Up to, of course, in bonus bets if that first bet doesn't hit. So go to Fanduel.com slash locked on for that no sweat first bet. Fanduel.com slash locked on, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Every dayers, more on the show this week. Um, we, uh, we have been in, in contact with Gary Ellerson about coming on, um, trying to get that scheduled to get that worked out. Um, he actually called me um, the day I came home from the hospital with, with uh, our daughter. Um, and so we've been working on trying to get that scheduled. That is that is coming up. And also trying to get some of these Rogers Signature Series scheduled um, and our um, rookie orientation series. We have a lot of rookies still to come um, in that process, but we've got plenty of time before training camp and even into training camp. I think it's worth doing some of those as we move through this off season. So ESPN did a thing that was designed solely for sports talk segments and uh, Twitter battles and these kinds of things. But I, I want to use it as a jumping off point. They ranked the Packers core 24th or whatever. I kind of don't care. The five most important players. That was actually what was most interesting to me. The five most important players. Just, I'm going to give you a second. Tell me who you think the Packers five most important players are. Tell me who you think they are. The ESPN article has Jordan Love, Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, Christian Watson, and Rashawn Gary. Okay? The Scott Bears fans riled up because they were just ahead of the Bears, the Packers were. Well, Jair Alexander is an all-pro corner. David Bakhtiari is an all-pro tackle. Rashawn Gary should have, at the very least in 2021, been a pro bowler and was on his way to being a pro bowler in 2022 before he got hurt. And Christian Watson is a star in the making. Was on the Pro Football Focus all breakout team this year. So was Josh Myers, interestingly. Um, And then Jordan Love. Why do I bring this up? Not to complain about the ESPN rankings. I assure you of that. No. All of those players are premium position players. If Rashawn Gary comes back and gets healthy, his ability to be good is hugely impactful. If you look at a team like the Bears, you've got guys like Eddie Jackson on that list, Terrell Edmonds on that list. It's just, it's just not the same when you have a linebacker as one of your most important players. And sorry, Tremaine Edmonds, Braxton Moore, the offensive lineman is on that list. He's not anywhere near as good as David Bakhtiari. And it even, you know, it, Again, I said I didn't want to litigate the rankings, but you go up and look at the the Panthers who are right ahead of the Packers, like defensive linemen on the list. Like, it's just not the same. I, I talked about this last week. Brian Gutekind's investment in premium positions means that when you hit, you hit big, and Brian Gutekind has hit big. Now, David Bakhtiari might not be 
on the Packers in a year. But Zach Tom looks like he is ready to step in and be a high-level starter, was the best pass protector as a rookie last year of the rookie class. Yash Nyman looks like a more than capable starting offensive lineman. So you have those two guys. You have Elton Jenkins. You have an all-pro in Jair Alexander. A guy who I still think has all-pro potential in Rashawn Gary. Lucas Van Ness, who Ryan Wood wrote a great feature about him yesterday. Um, and, and you know, I know that there, that Gannett is going through a lot of issues right now. We stand with the employees, the journalists, especially at Gannett. Um, I, people need to be paid for cost of living and inflation and all those things. And they're not at Gannett. And that's, that's preposterous. Those positions just matter more. And so being the best, that having the best spots on your roster, be the most important spots on your roster, portends something good about your team. And that brings us to this season where Zach Tom could take a leap into like, okay, he's one of like the 10 or 15 best starting offensive linemen in the league or tackles in the league. Probably going to win that right tackle job. Christian Watson could vault himself in the sort of like top 10, top 15 receiver conversation. Absolutely. And Jordan Love. The upside was why you took him. In an NFC that's wide open. We talked about this on Locked on Sports today. Shameless plug. Yesterday, I had Ross Jackson on the show. And I said, Derek Carr is a top what quarterback in the NFC? And he was like, you know, diplomatically top seven. And I went through it and I was just like, you can make the case top three. Like, I don't think you can argue he's better than Jalen Hurts or Dak Prescott right now. Everyone else after that, he has a very good case. He's better than those guys because we don't know what we're getting from Matthew Stafford coming back off of injury. Like 2021, Matthew Stafford is the third best quarterback in the NFC. We don't know if that guy's showing up. We don't. Kyler Murray, what is he going to look like coming back off major knee surgery? We don't know what that's going to look like. Is Geno Smith going to be able to replicate what we saw last year? Huge question mark. There isn't a good quarterback in the NFC South other than Derek Carr, even an average one. Like Desmond Ritter, no. Bryce Young, we don't know. Got to see it. Baker Mayfield, are you joking? And then in the NFC East, Daniel Jones, not interested. Sam Howell, not interested. Jared Goff, not. Like, it's Kirk Cousins or it's Derek Carr. Those are the safest third quarterbacks in the NFC right now. And when I asked, what is the best quarterback? You wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Love was better than this season. The most common responses that I got were Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, and Dak Prescott. If Jordan Love is is as good or better than those guys, let's just say as good. He's like a top five quarterback in the NFC right now. So yes, the quarterback is going to be the most important player on most teams, if not every team. Just what they do to impact the game. It's not in San Francisco. That's like the only team where it's not. Kyle Shanahan could turn me into a 3,500-yard passer. But for every other team, you need a real guy there. The Packers have the potential to have a real guy there. You have Christian Watson. His opportunity, the talent, the upside, the the high-end ability is 
striking. And you just there are just not a lot of other players in the NFC that have the talent that he does, the physical ability. By the way, he looks bigger than he did last year. Stronger, bigger. And and you add in Romeo Dobbs, I made the case a couple weeks ago, he's the X factor on this team, that the offense can be good if he's just what he was last year and can be really good if he takes a step forward. And by all accounts, he has been awesome in camp. The, the most targeted red zone guy for the Packers, his ability to win as a route runner. Like if he takes a step forward, and he's shown those flashes, receiver is a hugely impactful position. That it would be enormous for the Packers to get contributions from a guy like that. Lucas Van Ness, same thing. Edge rusher. That is so valuable. Devontae Wyatt, interior pass rusher. That is so valuable. And so when I look at this core, I see a team that is built in Most of the right ways, they have bet on high upside players at the premium positions, which means that if you hit, you get, not only do you get the most kind impactful kinds of players, but that if you put a couple of them together, they become force multipliers. An elite edge rusher with an elite corner, you have a defense that can be good for time immemorial. Like Rashawn Gary healthy on the field with Jair Alexander healthy on the field at this point in their development, you had Lucas Van Ness in the mix. If Brenton Cox Jr. can give you something, he's been, you know, one of the one of the buzzy guys in the spring so far. And we're going to see them. We're going to see them at mini camps. How much matters? That's up for discussion. And actually, we're going to discuss it. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers your first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you every day. Go check out The Leap. The Leap.Football is the name of the newsletter. We put it out. Um, three times a week in the offseason, but but every day during the week in the season. Me and Jason Hirshhorn, America's guest, um, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Go check out Locked on Sports today. All the biggest stories, um, obviously the NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals, decent, decently big stories right now. Um, baseball is about to get very interesting as the, the weather gets up. So does baseball. So, so much stuff for you to get caught up on there. Um, and of, and of course, everything we do here, we appreciate you being a part of it. A mandatory minicamp. It, it, it's like OTAs, but slightly better. It's like a, a few more people there. It's like, hmm. I don't want to throw shade at anybody. It's like, uh, it's like Modelo, the beer. Like, it's, it's still an inexpensive beer. But it's not... Bush light, you know, like that's what OTAs are like Bush light, Bush light. It's beer. That should be the slogan. But if they want to sponsor Lockdown Packers, you know, not mad about it. It's but it's you're not going to seek it out. Maybe. Maybe you will. If that, that and if that's what you like, like what you like. Mandatory minicamp is not we're going to get away from this tortured metaphor. Mandatory minicamp is not really any different other than. It's going to signal some teams have a problem with players. Daniel Hunter, not coming. Saquon Barkley, not coming. And Al Nazar, last year, didn't show up. But like Daryl Alexander, who had not been at OTAs, he's got a big-ass contract. Like he's probably going to be there. By the time you listen to this, maybe you know that he's there already. David Bakhtiari, sort of been in and out of OTAs. 
presumably he will be there. Like why show up to OTAs and then not mandatory minicamp? That would be bizarre. Russell Douglas, some of these, some of these like mid-tier, um, you know, guys who were rehabbing. You need to see those guys. If you were banged up a little bit, like someone like Grant Dubose, not a mid-tier guy. In fact, a late day three guy. This is your chance to show something. But it's only like slightly more important now. Getting to see Jerry Alexander against Christian Watson, really fun. So that's, I mean, that's the better part of it is having everyone together amplifies competition a little bit. And so that allows you to get a better read, a better scout on these players. Unfortunately, they're not open to the public. So, you know, fans can't come and watch like training camp. I don't know why. I don't know why mini camp would be so much different than training camp. I would think of anything, the opposite would be true. But look, um, NFL teams are weird about this. They act like they're like the Manhattan Project or something. I don't I don't quite understand what's going on there. Um, a timely reference given the the Christopher Nolan movie that's coming out this summer that, that looks like it's probably going to be pretty good. Um, so that's not to say don't get excited. I did my whole thing about OTAs. Like it was so exciting to have Packer tweets back in my timeline about stuff actually happening on the field. There's still going to be the, uh, you know, the miscellaneous Aaron Rodgers saying, you know, stupid stuff, throwing shade at the Packers. Oh, I'm having so much fun in New York. God, he's trying to win the breakup. He is trying so hard to win the breakup, posting pictures on Instagram. I'm at the, like, like just like an ex. Oh, I'm at all these concerts. I'm at the Tonys. I'm having so much fun. All this. Okay. Okay, guy. And meanwhile, Jordan Love on a boat with his teammates holding up the cup as if to say unbothered, just extremely unbothered, which is, which is what we all should be. Follow me on Twitter. Back tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter. Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter. Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, live on YouTube. We do that every once in a while. We do it a lot during the season. Um, come, Come do that. Subscribe on YouTube so you can stay Locked on Packers. 